Hello and welcome to the Around the Nation podcast for the week of Saturday, December 17th. I'm Pat Coleman. And I'm Keith McMillan. As we uh, wrap up the 2011 Division Three football season and the Stag Bowl, in which Whitewater defeated Mountain Union by the score of 13-10. to 10. You know, we, we talked about this uh, game already quite a bit, obviously, so not to uh, go too much into in-depth into it in the podcast, but to be honest with you... Um, you know, another another game that doesn't disappoint. It's a uh, another game that's in doubt in the fourth quarter. And you've gone through and kind of totaled up over the last few years the the games where Whitewater in this long winning streak have had uh, games in doubt in the fourth quarter, and this was one of them. Well, and, and the reason we t- totaled that up is because it, it was to say that these guys here in Salem, both Mountain Union and Whitewater, are beatable. And not by everyone, but but certainly uh, other Division three teams can can can, uh, can beat them. And this is now the twenty third game that Whitewater has played that has been been in doubt for them in the third quarter since their run started. They've won all but five of them, and uh, they, they've won uh, now four championships in that span. They're, they're the new uh, new face of D3, the, the, the new dominant program, and, and Mountain Union is still running neck and neck with them, and I think that's what's um, you know probably both amazing and, and frustrating for, for fans of the Purple Raiders is that, you know, you, you take a team that struggled a little bit this season in, in Mount Union terms, right? The, because the bar is set so high there and they're so used to having uh, dominant teams and dominant players where everything is going great and, and this team didn't have that. Uh, they, they got here with this great defense. They had a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. They got the ball back down 13-10. And, and for us as as fans or observers, it was a uh, another great stag bowl that delivered. And, and going forward, whether you're a fan of, of Whitewater or a fan of any of the other teams that didn't win the championship, the door is open. For other teams to get to Salem, because you had Wesley play a tight game at Mountain Union, you had Mountain Union playing a tight game here against Whitewater, yeah, or against Baldwin Wallace for that matter, back in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Pat, the, the the door is open. Teams can can beat these teams. You know, Whitewater had to had to play uh, Oshkosh, so I, I think we get a little um, overwhelmed maybe by the history, or, or, or we get sucked a little too too far into it. And to their credit, Lance Leipold's team. Larry Karras' team never allow the, their their teams to look at it from a big picture standpoint. You know, Larry said at, at the banquet a couple of days before the Stag Bowl, he said, I, I think I'll reflect on this seven-year run of Stag Bowls when I'm retired. Because all he can focus on when he's when he's here in Salem is that one game. And, and that's the way these teams have been able to get back to because they, they just focus on the opponent. They respect the team that they're playing. And, uh, you know, they're not the only team that does that, but they, they've done it more successfully than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, you know, remember, of course, obviously Mountain Union has lost this game three years in a row, but, you know, being in the championship game seven years in a row is something that, uh, that they'd never accomplished before either. They had a run of six out of seven from 96 through 2002, but uh, Pacific Lutheran and uh, Rowan interrupted them in 1999. This is a... It, it you know it, it it might be easy for uh, even for purple raider fans perhaps to lose sight of what they've accomplished uh, yeah. despite the disappointment of not having come home with the right trophy well because it, this has really been a tremendous season for them an outstanding season in a lot of ways but because the bar is set so high out there it uh, it is it's hard to appreciate if if you don't win a championship but they uh, they overcame injuries they uh, they never really settled at quarterback they I don't want to say they got spoiled over the past few years, but you have dominant, dominant players from Greg McKaylee to Nate Kamick to Pierre Garcon to Cecil Shorts. You know, uh, they they don't they didn't have that this year. They had a balanced offense, and then they had a, you know a lot of youth, a lot of juniors playing, so a lot of guys who, who will be back next season. And uh, they were good. They they leaned on defense to get here to Salem. They earned their way here through the playoffs, just like anybody else would have. They they really had an outstanding season, and I don't think. 
there's a lot to hang their heads over uh, at Mount Union, but the reality is since 1993, the bar has been set so high that you either win a championship for Mount Union or, or it wasn't a great season. You know, um, there's been a lot of talk about you know the growth of Division Two in the state of Ohio, and while a lot of those programs are young within Division Two and maybe not all that successful, in the grand scheme of things, but that's... There's a that's a 36 to 48 scholarships and five or so schools. There are some guys that are getting taken away from Mount Union, and they're having to spread themselves a little bit further afield. And I wonder how much of that is the fact that they haven't quite gotten that that playmaker to you know replace uh, Pierre Garcon and Cecil Shorts, replace Nate Kamick, that sort of thing, or you know the quarterback situation at that. Yeah, but you know, you know Pierre and, and Cecil were both kind of special cases because those guys were super talented from the day they arrived on campus. And and for most teams, for most dominant D three players, you know, all the great guys that were named All Americans today, you know, most of those guys were were self made in a sense that they were talented players when they got to college, but they worked their way into being great. And uh, most of the guys on Mount Union's team now today, you know, fit that that description. And a lot of the guys on Whitewater fit that description. Lance Leipold mentioned it in the post game. You know, he he said yet there's four guys sitting at the podium, and, and there's no surprise that there's Lavelle Coppage and, and Lassant Minette there because those guys uh, were, were established stars. But the other two guys sitting there were Chris Pendergrass, uh, you know, a 5'9", 182-pound cornerback that doesn't even, you know, not even listed as a starter. And, uh, and Ryan Cortez, a guy who was uh, an outside linebacker and a contributor. But championship teams uh, – need those kind of guys and, and there's a lot of self-made made guys in d3 and that's the way mount union is going to have to win because their uh their their model is changing now because a lot of those ohio guys are going to get scholarships and, and go to d2 mount union's opened up um their recruiting efforts they're using this exposure that they get from being in salem and now they've they've gone into not just florida which isn't all that uncommon for d3 programs but you know, down to texas and, and, and you know as far away as california uh, Virginia, other places where where you know there are D three players to be had. Matt Pilato and Neil Seaman both back next year for the Purple Raiders. You you mentioned, of course, there's a lot of other guys who are back next year. Um, when I when we were going through and <clears throat> putting together spotting charts for for the Stag Bowl, one thing I noticed on defense is that you know the not only did the starting eleven not change very much, but their backups didn't change very much either. A lot of these guys, the twenty two guys on that list, I say seventeen of them were on that list in the same spot last year. It's a, it's a very uh, young team you know Mountain Union's defense will lose Chris Favazzo they'll lose Alex Ferreira um, you know Chaz Jordan guys who they they've really leaned on over the years but everybody else from starting lineup is back and all and all the backups are back uh you know except for uh, Tyler Allward is, is another cornerback Cam West seniors but you know uh and then you turn around on offense and you have the same thing you lose the all-american offensive lineman uh Brett Eakins and uh you know you, you lose some other guys but you, the, the Mountain Union they this wasn't that team, you know, that that was definitely going to win it. And, and they were number two the entire season, except for a few people uh, ranked them number one and, and, and predicted they uh, were going to take over the, the that mantle again. And they were they were right here. I think the big theme, though, it, as we're putting this out here for the podcast from this season, is that there are, there are other teams that are getting here. They're awful close, and. Uh, you know, it maybe doesn't seem like it when you look at the Whitewater St. Thomas semifinal. It's twenty to nothing was the final score, right? They lost by twenty. That wasn't all that close. But St. Thomas didn't get pushed around by Whitewater. 
They just didn't put points on the board early, and then Whitewater went conservative and was able to control the rest of that game. That was a well-coached game, but you don't look at you can't you could stand St. Thomas player and White Tom, and Whitewater players next to each other and say these guys can play against each other. I think Wesley went out to Mountain Union in the semifinal round and, and had an offensive line that wasn't getting bullied by the Mountain Union offensive line. And you go further down through the playoffs, you know, Wabash could, could play with North Central and and and, and Mary Harden Baylor, Linfield, other teams. We can now identify. You know, a handful of teams. When we, when we put out the, t- the final top twenty-five, you know, you're gonna look at all top those those top ten teams and say they all have a chance to to really really uh, be the next one to get here to Salem. Right, and your opportunity if you're one of those teams is you remember the the Mountain Union defense, which nearly won its uh, nearly won its team the game on Friday night. Uh, is the is the side of the ball that's losing quite a bit. Uh, you know, the Whitewater offense is losing the guy who's the uh, second leading all-time rusher in Division Three football history in Lavelle Coppage. And, and while they've you know, they reloaded. They got Coppage for four years after they had Justin Beaver for three years. You know, the the thing is, is that whoever that next guy is might not be on the roster. Or they didn't. Uh, they had uh, Coppage was basically the only running back who was back this year from last year. They, whoever it's going to be is going to be fairly inexperienced. Next year's Whitewater offense may look a lot like this year's Mount Union offense in the sense that Mount Union had a lot of moving parts and young guys that they had to get. Uh, uh, acclimated to the game, and, and you know, next year I think Whitewater is kind of fortunate that they'll have, uh, I guess, Lee Brecky probably be the presumed starter. He, he started the Stag Bowl here last year, and then uh, Matt Blanchard came back and started all 15 games this year. Goes out as a senior, as a winner, 25 and 0 as a starter. Pretty tremendous career for Matt Blanchard as well as Lavelle Coppage, who uh, who did not catch Nate Kamick tonight for the all-time. Um, <laughs> yes, that's true. The the all-time rushing lead, but you know. If Whitewater cared about things like that, they maybe could have loaded him up and given him enough carries earlier in the season to get him there. But they don't—they don't care about that. They just wanted to leave here uh, w- with another championship and, and plenty of credit to, uh, to to Whitewater for earning uh, the third consecutive championship. And, and again, it, they, Whitewater didn't play a ton of close games this year. It, you can say on one hand that that you know they completely dominated Division Three, but by the same token. If Mount Union can, can play them close and Wesley can play Mount Union close and Mary Harden Baylor can play Wesley close, then you know maybe you could draw that comparison that these teams aren't all that far apart. The the um the the game on Friday night keyed on you know, turned on a, a couple of key plays and I think one which or two which we want to go back and talk about which we haven't really talked about is punts for Mount Union. You have punts uh, that uh, you know, two shanked punts. One did not set up a scoring drive, I uh, I don't believe, because because uh, Whitewater ended up throwing the uh, interception in the end zone. But the second one ends up setting up this uh, Eric Kindler field goal, which ends up being the uh, the final margin of the game. Pat, you, you go across D3. Let's take a look at the, the All-American team that came out of the All-Region teams. The great players are spread all across D3. The great teams are the ones who do everything well. And, and Mountain Union, you know, they, they weren't bad on, terrible on special teams, but they, they didn't punt well today, and it cost them. Uh, they, they turned the ball over. They didn't turn the ball over a lot, but they had a one key turnover that hurt them. That was Matt Pilato uh, getting sacked around the one-yard line. Uh, you know, maybe could have could have eaten it, taken the sack. Maybe would have been sacked on the one. Maybe would have taken a safety. At that point, it was a 3-0 ball game. You fumble on the one. You give Whitewater, which did not drive on Mount Union. I mean, they, they moved the ball, but they didn't drive drive for a touchdown all day. Uh, you give them that opportunity to score the easy touchdown, and that, that certainly changed the game. You know, being sound... It's how Whitewater won the national championship. Indeed, and it's how they've done it a lot. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, 
you know, you, you look back, and I referenced this during the, the call of the game, but, you know, you look back at the quarterback performances in some of their stag bowl wins, and Lee Brecky did not have a, a great statistical line at quarterback. Danny Jones certainly did not uh, in the uh, the game that they won the first one back in 2007. They're capable of, of winning with, you know, some ugly uh, passing lines. Now, this is not one of them, uh, although it's it's not a very uh, – it's not a very – long line i guess nine of 13 passing for just 97 yards but uh, you know again they didn't uh and they haven't ever really needed that to be honest with you maybe the best passing quarterback that they've had during this run was justin jacobs and he was 0-2 here yeah and 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 it's proof that for as many games as, as offense will win you you know being sound all around being great on defense being great on special teams is what wins you a championship and it's certainly more complex than that there's so many elements we wrote about it in the kickoff edition you know you have to have everything from administrative support to years upon years of, of good recruiting classes to, to build yourself toward a championship and so there's, there's a lot more to it than just playing sound football but I think once you get to this level when you look at the teams that had a chance to get here and the teams that did you know the Whitewater didn't turn it over from the beginning of the playoffs to today in the first quarter when Matt Blanchard throws that interception in the end zone. And even that interception didn't hurt him all that bad because Mount Union was buried on the five-yard line, ended up punting right back to, to Whitewater midfield. Whitewater didn't have the turnovers. They didn't they didn't bite on fakes. They didn't, uh, you know, take unnecessary risks. And, and, and that's what got them here, and, and that's what helped them win this championship. And uh, this one, certainly sweet. You could, you could see in, in their faces how they enjoyed it. Well, we have a, a couple of pieces of business yet to uh, transact here before we're out of here for the uh, 2011 football season. We have our three uh, top annual awards. I think the uh, Offensive Player of the Year has probably not been in doubt for quite some time, I would say. Yeah, and well, we had some pretty tremendous offensive players this year. You know, just at the, at the Gallardi Trophy ceremony, you know, Michael Zwiefel um, put up numbers for the ages in terms of wide receiver. Alex Tanney put up numbers for the ages at quarterback. At Fritz Waldvogel, who was dynamic and multiple phases of the game but the the guy you have to go with uh was Lavelle Coppage and one thing that stood out to me today Pat he didn't have the great rushing day but he did everything he needed to do to contribute there was one play where uh Nick Driscoll a dominant player for, for Mount Union's defense uh came free on a blitz and uh and, and Coppage st- stepped up and, and stonewalled him and that's you know running back you have to be a complete player and, and I don't know if Coppage came in this way but he certainly polished his game over the years and it wasn't just the rushing about the rushing yards for him you know, he didn't care about his, his stats today and he said you can never be frustrated with winning can never be frustrated with being a champion so uh he, he's certainly deserving capable of putting up the stats but also a team guy as well the other relatively easy decision i would say would have to be lance leipold for coach of the year he's only won 45 games in a row he's got a 960 winning percentage there are obviously some guys who exceeded expectations more but you know they've this was a, an, an impressive season once again. Well, and if you boil it down to this season only, the the, the things that, that Leipold and, and Brian Borland and, and the coaching staff did for Whitewater, the, 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 the coaching decisions had a big factor. I mean, they really played uh, in helping them get here. They never let in the semifinal game. They, they double-covered Fritz Waldbogle the whole game. They kept the safety over top of him. And uh, never let him get off. They said, "Look, somebody else on St. Thomas is going to have to beat us." And and they didn't. And, and right, no, nobody figured it out. Um, and, and then tonight, they they made the decision defensively to keep everything in front of them and tackle well. They missed the one tackle and led to the big Chris Denton play on the touchdown drive. Other than that, every pass that was completed was in front of somebody, and there was not a missed tackle. And and that's 
that goes to coaching scheme wise but that also goes to the coaching that happens over the course of the year as they 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 drill this into the players from the minute they get there and uh and uh they work on the on the proper technique and all that stuff that that kind of coaching um you know can't be understated and, and Lance Leipold uh he, he inherited a great program but he's done everything that it takes to, to to keep it at the top level because it's one thing to come to the Stag Bowl twice which admittedly di- difficult in the first place you know aside from Mount Union uh, there's not a whole lot of back-to-back stag bowls uh, in the last 20 years or so. But then, so that's what Bob Perez would set them up with. And then, you know, Lance Leipold really took it to the next level. A level they they were already at the two level and took it to the one level. Yeah, and and, and now what 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 they're dealing with is uh, being fortunate enough to play on TV, which is rare in Division Three. Uh, you know, we're we're fortunate enough to have. Um, coverage major national network cover not only Stagwell this year but also the the, the semifinals uh, both games and people were able to watch that online and, and on their televisions as well uh, that's the type of thing that helps turn programs around because you know you're recruiting 17 18 year old kids that they, they, they want to be on TV uh, they want to get a little bit of recognition for, for their play and so uh, get taking those extra weeks of practice that you get during the playoffs taking that TV exposure. Now and, and turning it and spinning that forward to help keep your program um, you know, loaded with talent. You know that's what happens when you lose these talented guys. You're gonna lose Matt Blanchard, Lavelle Coppage, you know, uh, uh, Greg Arnold. You're gonna lose guys like that. But you got guys in the wings because you've had these these years of success and you've recruited well off it. And then so the uh, I think the only real debate we might have would be over the uh, defensive player of the year and and a and a night which uh, defense ruled the day. Um, you know, there, there were certainly uh, some defensive players here to talk about. There were a couple of uh, first-team D3Football.com All-Americans on the field here tonight. But I, I think that in the end, we're probably pretty much in consensus on this one as well. Yeah, I, I like Nick Driscoll for the for the Defensive Player of the Year award and, and a couple of, couple of reasons. Uh, you know, a guy who, who starts out as a safety, uh, you know, may, prior respo- primary responsibility is coverage, and he, he was sounding coverage. Uh, and as a safety, you got to be able to come up and tackle. But then he was such a weapon that Mountain Union was able to do different things defensively. They put him up on the line of scrimmage tonight. Uh, he you know, he made tackles like it like a defensive end playing the playing the run. Uh, he got Lavelle Coppage from behind by his feet one time. You know he, he was able to do everything defensively, and I think he was also kind of the the, the heart and soul of the defense. And, and Mountain Union had other guys who who were the heart and soul. You know Alex Ferreira, I think was was the you know, the leader of the defense. You, you see guys who play with emotion, Charles Diesel. Uh, Arthur Smith and George Carbon, all those guys play with emotion. You, you notice them out there. Uh, you know, Fetchko and Favazzo caused a lot of havoc. It, it was really a great defense, but Driscoll w- was was the wild card, and I liked him. There were a lot of great defensive players across the country, Pat, this year. Um, and, and, you know, it's hard to pick just one. I, I don't know if Chris Mays would have played after the Linfield game. You know, maybe he would have changed the course of this whole tournament in, in, in Division Three history. He was that good. He could well have. Uh, in a, uh, ending up a, a game here. We're still in our post-game coverage here of Stag Bowl 39 with uh, Wisconsin Whitewater having defeated Mount Union by the score of 13-10. to 10. Pat Coleman along with Keith McMillan. Uh, we've handed out our major awards. And let's take a, a quick look at 2012. Do we think there will be a Game 8 of this seven-game series? <laughs> I, I think somebody is is ready to uh, to break through here to Salem. But, but then again, you know, I don't know if teams could have been more ready than Wesley was going out to Mount Union this year and, and St. Thomas was going out to Whitewater. Pat, your theory uh, that had been repeated and, and agreed with by many other people is that you know you, you got to get that first game at Whitewater or that first game at Mount Union 
uh, under your belt so you're not intimidated anymore. And St. Thomas has done that, but they lose a lot of a lot of key seniors, not just on offense but on defense. So yeah, I think it won't be next year if they get back. Right, we don't we don't know how St. Thomas will respond. Wesley's in good shape because they lose an uh, All-American quarterback in Shane McSweeney, but they had a quarterback who, who, who had a great season the year before in Justin Sadler. Uh He's expected to be back in the program, and so Wesley can hit the ground running. They were like Mount Union's offense. A lot of those guys were young juniors, you know, the Askia Jihads and, and Steven Kadosu and Matt Barilli. All those guys would be back in the offense. This and a, and a, in an offense with a guy who can fling it. Right, right. Sadler is more of a, of, of a thrower than, uh, than Shane McSweeney was. You know, Wesley built that offense around McSweeney being able to to, you know, run design, run plays, uh, yeah, read option, and, 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 and all these other different things. And, and McSweeney was a guy who, who you know, craved contact uh, out in the open field. And so he, he's a rare bird as far as quarterback goes. But but Wesley's in great shape because they they have that quarterback position set, I think, going into next year. Um, you know, you got to count Mary Harden Baylor, I think, in the mix. Linfield, um, I assume, has Lin- to be talked about. Linfield, you talk about. The team that was really disappointing in the playoffs, really the conference that was disappointing <laughs> to me was yeah. the CCIW because North Central and Illinois Wesleyan both came in as teams we thought could, could do a little bit of damage. And um, Illinois Wesleyan lost to Monmouth, which you know had the great Alex Tanney, and they played a triple overtime game. So you can't, um, you know, you, you sort of a wild card. You don't know how that's going to happen. But, and then, but, but North Central was the one. I think when they got endorsed by Mike Swider, right, the Wheaton coach, yep. who, who's played against Mount Union several times, who's played against, um, you know, Bethel and North Cent- and Wheaton, and, and, and said this, that team was as good as he had. He's good enough to win the national championship. And then unprompted, completely unrelated after Stan Zwiefel's team, uh, Stan came from the Whitewater program, what was the offensive coordinator under Bob Berezowitz. So he knows what, a, what what it takes to get to the Stag Bowl. And he said the same thing about North Central. So you get those two endorsements. It's not just us saying we think North Central's pretty good. You know, we saw him play once this year or something like that. You know, it, it's guys who, who played against them, who've seen championship teams uh, saying that they're that good. Uh, you know, I started to buy into it, and that was really a, uh, a surprising loss that they had at Wabash. And, and maybe it was just one of those things where, where Wabash got going and um, was playing at home and, and ended up defeating them. But I think that's the program. Um, you know that that also should join the list of teams that are they're likely to break through, but uh, they they got to kind of rework on their offensive identity because they they uh, sort of a uh, wildcat heavy run team this year, and you can't be uh, one dimensional too far into the playoffs. You talked about quarterback craving contact, and not to say <clears throat> this is what Neil Seaman is, but uh, it reminded me of the fact that uh, something I wanted to talk about earlier. Uh, he's a guy who has not made it to the Stag Bowl healthy and has played you know, a grand total of uh, three snaps in the uh, in the two years, two years in which he was the starting quarterback for the majority of the season and was unable to play basically in Salem. And, and do you think that they continue, obviously, I would guess, to keep splitting time to try to keep him healthy and have him here for this game if Mount Union is fortunate enough to uh, advance to the Stag Bowl, uh, Stag Bowl 40? I don't think you can know the answer to that question right now. I don't think anybody can know. I don't think Larry knows. I don't think anybody in, in Alliance who follows that program knows who the That's Mount why I'm Union, asking you. You're none of those people. <laughs> who the Mount Union starting quarterback will be next season. The reason I say that is it's got it's got to be, after what happened today, it's got to be an open competition. You can't say Pilato 
uh, is clearly going to be the guy. You can't say you don't even know if Neil Seaman you know can stay healthy long enough to, to be the guy. But then you got all these guys waiting in the wings that they're excited about. We saw, um, and there always seem to be guys waiting. Right. I mean, that's that's about. the story about Union. Sometimes the guys Mike Joris, and sometimes the guys Greg McKayley. Sometimes it's Cecil Shorts. Right. I mean, that's also true. You're right. He was another one where they said, "You wait till you see this guy." And so there's there's some of those guys. We got a glimpse of of one tonight. He just ran one play. Uh, and, and his name, of course, is escaping me right when I need it. Um, Roman Namdar. Right, a guy from Texas who, who you know, people talk to us uh, away from the game about about him. Uh, Kevin Burke, people said they they like, he's only a freshman, he's raw, but they like his skill set, and they, and they like that he brings the, the running aspect. One of those guys could be the quarterback next year for Mountain Union. We don't know. You know, it depends who, who works uh, hardest over the offseason, who stays healthy. Um, I think... They they could use some 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 fresh blood some some leadership because they have the what's the word I'm looking for they have the foundation built they have all the supporting cast now they they need the star now they need the guy to put them on the back and, and lead them down the field when they're down thirteen to ten or, or or whatever the case may be and I've always liked Matt Pilato um, his skills. You know, people at, at Mountain Union are really excited about Neil Seaman. Maybe though one of those guys will, will emerge and be the guy next year. But the teams that that, that have a quarterback are, are the teams, you know, and, and all, everything else around it. Those are the teams I think have a, have a good shot of getting to Salem next season. What else do we need to talk about before we wrap up the uh, 2011 season? Just how awesome D3 football is in general. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Division Three foot uh, and us. But no, you mean uh, I, mean, I, I, think, I hear you. I think we did a fairly fun. fairly good job of of, of Hitting it wall to wall over the course of uh, of the playoffs, you know, we, we have a year in review um, up on the website. Uh, for that reason, you know, the All Americans are up there. Uh, so, you know, even if your team season has been over for you know, five weeks or whatever the case may be, there's still um, things for you to keep an eye on. There's All Star games that have gone on and and uh, one uh, going on down in, in Mexico. Uh, on the day after the Stag Bowl, so there, there's there's that to keep uh, abreast of, and then you know you, you start looking forward to to next season, or you start looking forward to uh, guys who who may get a sniff from the NFL. I, I know Alex Tanney is, is the one name, the quarterback from Mammoth that that comes up. You know he he's got the the build for it, so we may watch him. He's got a draftable grade um, by by scouts. You know I don't know how credible the scouts are, but people say a guy's you know fourth round, uh, you know. Fifth round, sixth round material then might actually get taken. Right, exactly, and, that's, <laughs> and, and, and it's one to two guys a year for, from our level that that get this. You know, a lot. You know, maybe a dozen guys will get a shot in a camp, but but you know, only one to two a year probably get drafted. And uh, Alex Tanney is probably at the top of the list. There are so many people to thank uh, in terms of uh, you know helping us cover Division Three football here in the 2011 season. Um, they, they go through a long, exhaustive list, and not even really get everybody or just focus on this weekend perhaps uh obviously you and i dave McHugh, uh frank rossi uh ryan tips adam turr uh ryan coleman dan pole that's just you know people who are here in salem you know people behind the scenes uh you know for the majority of the season guys like uh jim dixon who was here today jim dixon of d3baseball.com uh, covering a stag bowl for us we appreciate that um I don't know if I'm going to be at the baseball championships now this year. I may have, uh, you know, hopefully I have a job that uh, wants me to, you know, work. That would be nice. Um, so, uh, you yeah. Were, you were thanking people. I was thanking people. Uh, other people have written for us throughout the playoffs, Keith. Yeah, and, and those are guys I, I'm, I'm real proud of. I'm glad that we have a, um, 
have a, a diversifying group of people who are getting to know all these teams because as long as there's 240 teams, there's going to be so many stories to cover, and we can't get to it all, but we're doing the best that we can. Um, Jason Bailey, Adam Turr, um, Jason Galeski, and Andrew Lavelle did most of our uh, Road to Salem features. We also got some writing from Brian Hunsaker and uh, Jason Bowen. I want to thank those guys uh, all the around around the region columnists this year. Those guys do do uh, great work. Um, you know, get into the teams that you know. Pat, sometimes you and I, as much as we try to travel the country, we can't hit everybody. And it's great to have uh, those seven regional columnists doing that. Um, everybody that's helped us out here in, in Salem. But I, I think most importantly, I, I got to thank the the fans. Because, you know, as much as Pat and I, uh, when we have full-time jobs and families um, that, that occupy the majority Kids. of our time, <laughs> and, you know, you make the sacrifice to do this during the season. And, and you know, part of it is, is for selfish reasons. We do it because we, we like it and we enjoy it. But also, you know, we remember what it was like being, you know, going to a D3 school and not being able to, to find any information on your team. And that's how this all got started. And then everywhere we go, people say, hey, I'm glad you do this. Or... Could you could you add this? And as long as the the interest is there, you know it, it validates uh, what we do. You know we don't we wouldn't uh, do all this just for ourselves. So as, you know as long as we have people like the the group out at Stone Station, you know before yes. the game that they all came to, to meet us, whether they were folks from Mount Union, from Whitewater, or from any other school. You know from Austin to Huntingdon to uh, Bridgewater. Bridgewater and Wesley. You see out there, and, and, and you see you know we saw a guy in the hotel with a Case Case Western shirt on. Met a guy last night. Uh, from Carnegie Mellon, you know, the, when, whenever the D3 folks are coming out, Frank wants me to mention Union, I guess, because because he went to Union and, and Goucher, right, Dave? All right. No, but as long as we have folks from different walks of life in D3, uh, as long as people still in, enjoy it, uh, we, we'll still be here to, to provide it, I believe, anyway. I, I think so. I think we're uh, we're okay to keep doing that from the looks of it. Uh, thanks to some other people behind the scenes. Uh, Folks like uh, Gordon Mann, who this time of year is really focused on D3Hoops.com, but does a lot of heavy lifting throughout the season. Some of the photographers who have been uh, at a lot of games this season uh, for D3 Photography, Scott Pearson, Larry Redloff, Joe Bergman, Daryl Tessman, uh, you know, and again, all the people who we leave behind every weekend to, uh, so that we can come do this stuff. Uh, you know, we're here for five days. Dave and I uh, are going to be headed out to Las Vegas in a, in a week to do another five days where we're away, and then... Uh, you know, it, it's a uh, it's a long uh, season and a long road, and a lot of people miss us. So, uh, alas, we can't thank everybody, but uh, you know, we want to make sure that people understand that uh, you know this is a labor of love for us. Uh, nobody here is uh, doing this as a full time job, and we're just doing it for you know, like the like the kids on the field are doing it for love of the game. Yeah, to be to be quite honest, and that means you know the the hey, if we throw out a a project. Every now and again, and we ask you to support it. We do appreciate the support. You know, we, we try to give that support and that love back to you and your programs. And that means, you know, when football season is over, uh, you know, there's uh, there's D3 hoops, there's D3 hockey now, and then we'll move into the spring. We'll have uh, gym and and, uh, and D3 baseball, and uh, then there'll be some sort of off season. And then before you know it, <laughs> we'll we'll be planning kickoff, and uh, we'll be back at it again for football. So for everybody here. In Salem, Virginia, for the folks like uh, J.J. Nekoloff, Brad Bankston, Molly Robertson, everybody who uh, helped us out behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, Tom Fick, the SID at Wisconsin Whitewater, uh, Lenny Reich at Mountain Union, uh, I'm sorry, John Saunders and Kerry Harvey Cutter with the city of Salem. You know, we cannot forget them. They've uh, 
have uh, done a lot for us, especially this weekend. Uh, thank you from D3Football.com. We'll wrap up the 2011 D3 football season by reminding you that this copyrighted broadcast of Stag Bowl 39 on D3Football.com is the property of D3Football.com and the NCAA and intended solely for the private personal use of our audience. Any other broadcast, rebroadcast, or the use of the descriptions and accounts of this game without the express written consent of D3Football.com is strictly prohibited. The 2011 football season in the NCAA Division III is in the books, and for the third consecutive year, the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater is the national champions. They defeated Mountain Union in Stag Bowl 39 by the score of 13-10. to 10.